Hey, you guys, welcome back. We are here for our last of our series of podcasts on hacking habits. Um, we have Elisa Allen with us today, which is always such a treat because she um, brings the professionalism <laughs> that we love, and um, we always love her perspective on things. So um, she's with us today to to continue talking about hacking habits, and specifically, you know, we've talked about how willpower just doesn't work. That um, it by the time we make all the decisions that we make throughout the day, it just that muscle is worn out, and we cannot rely on willpower. We've talked about the neurotransmitters in our body and, and how we can use different oils to help um, balance those and experience more joy. And now today we're going to talk about burnout and what it looks like. And, you know, as our last episode was all about flow and how we want to create this um, healthy flow and be in alignment in our life so that things just don't have to be so hard. <laughs> and this issue of burnout is huge and it really is what keeps a lot of people out of flow. So we're going to dig into that today and hack into it with Elisa. Hi, I'm Elisa. Hey, how are you? <laughs> Good. Good. I'm glad so, to be here. What have you been up to with your life lately? We've, it's been about a year since we've had you on the podcast and I don't know if you know this, but the episode that we did with you, which was like episode maybe five-ish, I'm not sure. It's somewhere back toward the beginning is our second most listened to episode where we just asked you general questions about using oils for support in therapy and even you know us ourselves using it for our own support and um, that is our second most listened to podcast after our first podcast which you know in the podcasting that's that's normal for the first episode to be the one everybody goes back to to see what the podcast is all about so um you're you're a hot topic also we did one with uh you on food addictions and sugar addiction and the psychology behind that and that is like in the top five I believe so we're excited to have you back and what have you been up to? I'm just working right and and practicing a little bit of you know burnout culture myself and learning a little bit more about that um so it's it's I'm really excited to be here and talk about that today I think that this will probably want be a really high-ranking podcast as well because you know statistics show that mill the millennial generation is the highest generation of burnout whereas in the past people maybe experienced burnout for a day um like an ER position or like someone who had just like a really really stressful traumatic day but most millennials live in a culture where they're constantly burned out um, our bodies have actually started to adjust and expect that low level fatigue all the time. So I think almost everyone can relate to this. So I'm glad that we are talking about it together. Okay. You just piqued my interest by bringing up millennials because yeah. <laughs> I say all the time I'm stuck. And I think I've said it in a recent episode. I am right smack dab in the middle. Like what's the generation before millennial? Is it Z? It's, uh, yes. Z yeah. or X, I think. Okay. Um, well, I feel like I'm right in the middle. I'm in the middle of two generations where I see this one generation that still knows how, like this, they weren't raised on technology. Um, they know like the value of working hard and they value character and morality and all the, you know, all of those like very, you know, deep moral constructs in our, in our society. And then I'm, I'm right on the edge of the millennial generation too, which values more about being authentic and finding like your purpose and living from a place of passion. And I hear the two generations um, argue over the right way to live. Mm -hmm. And that's hilarious that that's what we're talking about today, because I think productivity, which is, I feel like the generation that I came right behind, 
um, really good at just getting the things done. And then the millennials are more about the creativity, but we need both. And yes. so that is the balance because even the generation who, what, you know, the generation before millennials and the baby boomers and on up, um, even though that's not the life they've lived, that is how society is changing. That's how jobs are looking for people. That's the thought process that everything is, is gearing toward is more creativity. So if you weren't raised to be creative and, you know, work that muscle, again, you've got to balance out your productivity with a level of creativity or you'll hit burnout. So why do you think it is that millennials are hitting burnout faster? Well, there's not a whole lot of evidence to say. Um, I think it's it has a lot to do with the fact that, you know, since 1995, people have had constant access to any information that they want. And when we have that sort of, we're raised in that, we don't ever have moments of boredom or rest because we can fill ourselves and fill our time with a screen or something else to do or learn something else, right? It's not always bad. And none of us want to go back to that time. But it does, we don't have that margin for rest. And um, it just, our bodies weren't in, meant to push at 100% all the time. Hmm. And so, okay. So if it's, it's like an access to education, things are easier. Mm -hmm. So it's like um, a bit of the grit and stamina, mm -hmm. maybe, has been lost. But like our brains tick faster, which is, I guess, where we think creativity lives. Where do you think creativity lives? Where, what, <laughs> you treat the whole body as a therapist. Like I know you're very holistic in your approaches. So where do you think like the, the power center of creativity is? Because I feel like we're a very brain engaged. We're in a very brain engaged time. Yeah, I mean, I think our creativity lives in our whole body. I think it's the combination of our mind, body and heart. And there, you know, when we talk about integrative medicine, it's not saying like I'll treat all three of these things. It's saying that all three of these things are one. Mm -hmm. um, they all affect each other. And what we know is that the mind and the body are one element. Now, of course, we can separate them and say, I'm going to work strictly on the mind or I'm going to work strictly on the body. And we're always leaving a part out when we're doing that. The mind absolutely influences the body. The body influences the mind. The spirit or the heart um, comes to play in that too. Because if we just have a mind and body, we still aren't a person, right? There's a whole essence to us. And uh, treating the whole thing as one is, I think, the most important and I think so on that level, constant access to information, we're sleeping less than we did 100 years ago. You know, people can stay up. We have artificial light. So I can stay up till two o'clock in the morning reading a book uh, and call it good and productive and not really get the rest that my body needs, right? And I think that that desire to push, push, push. We have more access to other people, which means comparisons become different. We want to be all of these things and live all of these lives and have, you know, but we can't really keep up with the lifestyle of that. It costs us too much to do that. So I think that burnout is like a very multifaceted thing. Um, but I think probably everyone experiences it at least at some point in their life. And there's a lot of things that come from that, you know, burnout step one. Um, but we also have things like compassion fatigue, where we see that people stop caring about other people because their their hearts are really don't have any more empathy left to give. And that comes from extended burnout, right? Those kinds of things um, are really dangerous. And, and we're talking about a systemic cultural problem when we um, are all experiencing that. So <clears throat> I um, have muted things on Facebook that show me hurting animals or... Mm -hmm. So that's what you're talking about, compassion fatigue. Like we're told to care about everything. 
and it's everybody's important. platform is in our face about what we should care about. And we don't well, really. I'm just totally guessing this, but I feel like my generation, I'm 41 and I feel like my generation, at least for me, it's like, we, we learned how to manage our feelings in the sense of like, you just push through, you know, whereas like, I feel like the millennials are much more into their feelings and self-care, but I don't necessarily know that they manage them. Mm -hmm. So like, it's that, that place of like the emotions they, we, like my generation just ignores them <laughs> and then the millennials feed them, but it's like learning how to actually manage them and process them is what nobody's doing well, Absolutely. which leads to all of the burnout. Absolutely. I think that's I a really, solved, you just solved the world's problems though. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, and I think there's something to be said for like, you know, not feeling, um, overly into your emotions and not letting them guide and direct every moment of your life. But we also know that pushing them down doesn't work. And so it's that middle ground that we have to come to. And, and that really is an intentional place for every person to decide what their lifestyle should be or what they want and choose for their own life. Um, and then live up to that and not, you know, worldwide cultural expectations of what you should be or feel or have. Um, and I think that that helps a lot. It creates a lot of space when you're not trying to be or live in a way that isn't true to who you are. Okay. So let's say someone has moved beyond this place of, okay, I know how to unfollow and silence the things on social media that trigger me. Um, I, I know who I am. I'm my own person. I don't need everybody else to tell me what I should do, feel, think, whatever. And they, this person maybe has worked into like having goals like Val and I, we have, you know, multiple projects going on business as, as do you. And so someone for where we are, like you've got really big, um, purpose. You get really good insight into what you're here to do. Now, once you've got that kind of like compass within you driving you, and it's not everybody else telling you how to think or feel, then the problem becomes, well, I got to get it done. I got to do all the things. I've, I'm the one driving this train. I've got to push it. I've got to make it happen. And so I am not like my nature is not in productivity. I've had to learn to be productive, but then I've also like overcorrected to where I make these crazy to-do lists and look at all these projects on my plate thinking these are going to help me accomplish like this purpose or this goal to where it's really hard to rest, even though I am very restful by nature. Um, even when I'm resting, I'm not resting. My brain is still trying to figure out how to push things and I've gotten better, but I'm just saying that's typically the default problem. So either speaking from your personal experience or just what you see and experience from other people and their issues, what do you say to someone who, who knows more, has more of like a purpose and a direction, but still mm -hmm. struggles to find that balance of when to create, when to rest, when to just be productive and turn your brain off? Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think that, again, that you have to define that for yourself. And so that has been a, a lot of my journey for the past year is understanding what works for me. Um, because, you know, Val kind of speaks about this, this earlier generation that I was raised by, you know, I, when I was growing up, I didn't have access to the internet and phones like that. And because, you know, I was pretty much developed by that point, <clears throat> but it still has impacted me. So we're at this people like you and I that are on this cusp of both of those generations, we've learned things like to work really, really, really hard 
Um, whereas like the people that are the younger version of millennials don't, not that they don't have hard work ethic, but they've learned to say like, this isn't what I want mm -hmm. and this isn't what works for me. And so that typically works a lot better for them. Um, but then we find other things to distract us. So it's about either way, being clear on what works for you. And so for me, I found that there, maybe it works better that I don't work as much. Um, even though I think that I, a value that I was taught was to work very, very hard. And the harder, the harder you work, the better you were, right? That ethic, your work ethic is what defines you. And so it's reshaping that narrative around my own story. And I found that with my clients too, when we can reshape the narrative that they have um, these core beliefs that we kind of tuck into ourselves and say like, this is true, no matter what, sometimes they're not. And when we can redefine those and make them what we actually want them to be, our lives just work the way we want them to. There's a quote that every system is intentionally and perfectly designed to give you the results it gives you, right? Like <laughs> you don't get there by accident. Things happen because you plan for them to happen that way, whether you meant to or not. And so when we take a step back and really say like, maybe I shouldn't, maybe I need, do need a longer lunch. Maybe I need to have more days off. Maybe there is a max amount of hours I work a day and it maybe doesn't need to be 10. Those kinds mm -hmm. of things are okay. The research is actually showing that any hours after 50 hours a week, productivity is lost. It's the law of diminishing means or something like that. It's a financial term, but and like the more you put in, you don't get more back. It starts to actually become less and less and less. So at 50 hours, that's a max productivity level for a human. That's every human, right? But that's so, got to include also your productivity at home, not just your job, right? Absolutely. Yes. It doesn't <laughs> just mean showing up for a 50 hour work week, which I think so many of us actually, when we look at our hours, are doing a whole lot more than that. If you're cleaning, if you're, um, you know, taking care of all your stuff, that's a problem sometimes. Running your kids everywhere can be an issue. Uh, volunteering at 67 different church groups can be a thing, right? Like having that, anything that is not intentional, quiet, focused time for creation or for restoration is typically productivity. So setting a value compass, getting really clear on what your values are and what you're, what you're working to get out of life, and then learning to say no to things that don't fit in that without guilt. <laughs> okay. But what, what if creativity doesn't feel like flow? What if creativity feels like I have to sit down and grind it out and, and get work really hard to get to that place? Absolutely. Well, I think that's an important question because I think that we have this over, um, artistic view of creativity that to create something means that it has to be in flow and flow is a, is a, practice that we get to in a state that we get once we have worked at something right the first time you do something you don't get in flow it takes time and and more time and more time we develop that it's a skill that gets um built in us it's not something that's innate so that creation by itself is just the act of creating something we don't actually just sit down and become creative. It, it takes practice, especially if you've been trained to move in the realm of productivity or production, right? It's not about cranking stuff out. It's about just experiencing yourself and letting that energy flow through you. Um, but that takes work too. It takes a little bit of intentionality and practice to bring that into existence. And, and specifically time, I think is what we forget about that. It takes time. You can't do that in 30 minutes, you know, once a week. Mm -hmm. So just allowing, 
allowing allowing yourself to like push through resistance and that be okay because that's just because you feel some resistance and you're feeling you're having to push and it's not easy doesn't mean it's not creativity absolutely i i think that making space is important so a long time ago, it's a new thing people are talking about now is setting your day, but this has been um, a practice of ancient mon you know, monasteries forever, is that we set our days with structure and routine um, because that gives us something to follow and to find safety in. So saying that, yeah, every morning I get up first thing in the morning and I spend an hour, I don't do this, but I'm just saying if that's a, a goal that you want to do, still working on it, I spend an hour allowing myself to create something then that hour is for that and only that. And that is where those things have an opportunity to develop because there isn't the pressure of having to move on to another task or having to actually accomplish something. It's just allowing that energy to move however it chooses to move. And it could be awful and that's okay. That requires a lot of trust. Mm -hmm. For sure. For sure. A lot of surrender. It's a funny thing that you bring that up because I think when I see the most, when I see clients, I think we, we kind of talked before about burnout and I think about 40% of my clients really struggle with that. And what I see is this lack of trust. I think that it has a lot to do with a lack of trust that they're going to be provided for, that everything's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. um, most of us are doing all right. And you may not think that you are, but we all have food, right? Most of us have food, somewhere to live and more than four cents in our bank account. So we're okay we're okay. And we can do without a whole lot more. And I think we have to make a decision whether we want to live in a lifestyle of burnout or a lifestyle of rest. And those are two completely different things because a lifestyle of rest doesn't mean that we need all the newest things or have to be going to all the places everyone else is going to, uh, because those things have a cost. And sometimes it's not just money, but it's time and the effect it has on our body as well. So I think trusting that it's all going to work out and trusting in yourself is a big part of that issue. You talked about like, wake, like if you wanted to wake up and, you know, practice creativity for an hour or whatever, like you said, it's about knowing what you want and how you want to live your day. And we've been talking about the real, the real way to um, not rely on willpower mm -hmm. and not rely on just grit, strength and determination to push through everything and, and control and to allow more of this like trust and rest that life is actually going according to how we intentionally set it, that the, the, not the trick, but the key to that is setting up your environment, which Absolutely. takes some introspection to get there. Like, how do I even want my day to go? I don't know. I've, you know, I've just followed along with, you know, what I've done or what I reactively felt like was needed at that moment. But like to proactively look at your like next week, like, like let's, we know how this week went or we know how it feels like it's going. It feels like it's hectic. It feels like it's rushed. So to look at next week and figure out where to put a space of an hour on my calendar to block off and, and like cross it off so that I can't schedule anything in it just mm -hmm. to allow it to be free and flowing to be whatever it's going to be. Maybe it's catch up time. Maybe it's I collapse on the couch. Maybe it's, you know, whatever it needs to be is what it should be. Um, so what are some tools it's just some little practical things that someone could put into their day um, just to help them like practice that moment of like giving their brain a rest of course essential oils are going to be a huge one because that's what we talk about a lot on this podcast but what are some other little brain breaks that might give people not only more insight into what they're needing in their life 
or needing to get rid of in their life. Um, but also just kind of like go into that state of rest and not feel like you're pushing. I think that, you know, I'm glad that you brought that up about willpower because it's not about pushing and just trying to figure out and get it perfect. Um, cause that doesn't, well, that's not what willpower is intended for. It doesn't work in that way. Um, willpower keeps you from like drinking gasoline because you weren't going to do that anyway. It's mm -hmm. a practice I think of trial, trial and error mostly is that it's an openness to say like, I don't have to have my life perfect and I'm going to every day take a step closer into creating the life that I want. It's okay if it's not here in this exact moment, but I'm moving in that direction. So, you know, I think really the best thing is to say like how you feel and check in with yourself multiple times a day. Like, do I feel exhausted? Do I feel good? Do I feel like I have been restored? I think it's important specifically first thing in the morning to set some time aside for, to set your intention for the day. So is this going to be a day of productivity? And just record that somewhere. So I'm a big advocate of journaling and having that down. I know you guys have a journal. Um, I think it's important that we know what we're doing because time, when we look back, looks very different than it did in the moment. Um, and sometimes we can get a little nostalgic and be untrue. So it's okay to say like, okay, I want today to be a productive day, but seven days a week are not meant for production. And when we do that, we're pushing our body too far. Uh, maybe we need to have a day every week that's just for restoration. Maybe we need to have a day every week that's meant just for creation um, or parts of those things in every single day as well. So just having that kind of those blocks set up and kind of taking some time to say, this would be a good time for that, or this would be a good time for that is helpful. For me specifically, a two hour lunch has really made a huge difference for me because it's a time to reconnect and be at home um, and kind of ground myself. I think daily exercise is 100% necessity. It has nothing to do with your physical health. It has everything to do with releasing your mind mm. and allowing your body to move. Um, you know, drinking your water because if we are dried up, I think we talked. You talked about that in an early episode. That electricity doesn't move through us as well. If we don't have enough water in our bodies, we can't actually make changes that stick in our lives. Those kinds of things are very important. Um, and, and really taking time to assess how you feel. And there's lots of apps too that you can download on your phone for that if you wanted to check in. Um, but just being present in the moment and not always trying to see what's going to happen next is probably the best way to avoid that. And taking breaks from things that are very distracting. I think that we should focus on what we're doing now and not be um, worried about what's coming next or what the next, you know, in a conversation being on your phone or watching TV and scrolling through Facebook, like those kinds of things keep us from really ever getting the production or restoration or creation that we need because we're just, inter we're intermingling them all. And that's not what they were meant for. That's, that's a lot to start with. That's a lot of good stuff. So but it's all like, it's all easy makes sense things. You know mm. what I mean? Like that's nothing hard. It's like, stop scrolling and watching TV, drink your water, book out an hour for yourself to like sit down and watch, you know, barefoot contests on food network. Cause that's how I relax. Like, you know, like it's the easy stuff to do. We just don't do it. And then we wonder why we're burned out, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. I really believe the intentionality behind those things make a big difference. So if you choose to sit and watch barefoot contests for an hour to say like, watching this makes me feel inspired and then I'm going to go cook. And that's an act of creation because mm -hmm. cooking is creating, right? Yes. yes. And that can feel like flow. And so we can get into that and really honoring ourselves and being grateful for ourselves for producing that and not putting limits and saying like, Oh, 
this isn't creativity because everyone has to eat dinner. Well, if you enjoy it and you're getting to, to be yourself and like show part of you through that, then it is an act of creation. Oh, absolutely. That is something to be on, you know, to honor yourself for and be proud of yourself for, for making that happen. I love the program that Ange Peters, um, whole fit it's whole dash bit.com. She has a program that she sells. Um, and she runs it like once a year on her Instagram, I guess probably her Facebook too, but it's called laugh scrub because this, it really backs up everything you're saying that if we will just scrub out the electronics, the time suckers, even the people that are energy drains that aren't, that don't really need to be in a part of our inner circle. Um, if we scrub all of those things out intentionally and then decide, make a decision on what we want to replace them with, a lot of this just becomes the natural byproduct mm -hmm. of doing that regularly. Mm -hmm. I think we're all so in tune to experience gratitude, but we just don't give ourselves time to do it. I think mm -hmm. that we are created to feel gratitude and it's not something you have to press to do. And uh, we just have to take time to do it. And if we're functioning at a hundred percent capacity, feeling every second of our day with um, anything, then we don't, we don't have time to feel an experience and it doesn't take a lot of time, even 15 minutes in the morning and 15 minutes at night is a start, but we have to have stillness and solitude and quiet and silence, you know, in order to experience those things and really feel that and move forward. Yeah. Okay. So essential oils. <laughs> Um, this, like, you know, you use oils in your practice all the time that there's not just going to be like lavender is not going to be everybody's oil to help them relax and turn their brain off. Mm -hmm. So do you ever have clients ask you, you know, maybe you use an oil on them in, in session. Do you ever have them ask you, well, how do I know which oil to use at home? All the time. <laughs> and how do you explain the answer to that? The way that I answer to that, and I, th I mean, I, th I know that you already know this, is that the whole process of essential oils is the way I use it in my practice and the way that I love to use them for myself. The whole process of essential oils is not following a step-by-step -step rule book of what to use for you. I cannot, as a therapist, tell you how to live your life. I'm not an expert on you. I'm an mm -hmm. expert on mental health in general, right? Mm -hmm. And on some relational things and those kinds of things. But on your life, you're the expert. And so to show up for yourself for five seconds and say, which oil smells good to me and do I want to put on my body? That is how you're going to get the biggest result mm -hmm. because you know what's best for you. Um, and so that's what I tell my clients is that that time of even taking, you know, it, it does not take long, maybe five seconds, two minutes. It's not long to take a second to say, where am I? What am I feeling? Mm -hmm. What do I like and dislike about this? Where should I put it on my body? That's a way to connect with all of those things that we talked about, mind, body, and spirit, integrated into yourself so that that moment becomes a healing, restorative moment for you to experience your life as you have intended for it to be or how you have set it up. Maybe that's disappointing in that moment. Maybe you feel anxious or depressed in that moment, but that's okay. All of those feelings are just indicator lights. They're not problems. They're just indicators. So we can say, oh, I'm real tired. I'm exhausted. I'm burnt out. What have I done to set this up? What oils can help me move through, right? My favorite question is someone says, I'm so exhausted. I've worked 80 hours this week. I've got all this stuff left to do. Tell me what will give me more energy. It's so sad. No. 
Well, and I love what you're saying because so much of it is personal responsibility. Like life is not about somebody just telling you what to do when you do it. Like it's that picking up and recognizing that you are struggling and then actually taking the steps to do something about it. You know, mm-hmm. like that intention of like, I'm going to go get something that helps me and then I'm going to rest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not responsible for fixing the world's problems at this moment. I'm responsible for giving myself what I need because I'm the only one that knows. Right. Absolutely. And that comes back to trust, you know, trusting that we have the wisdom inside of us to, to keep ourselves healthy and strong um, to move through. And I think that's hard to do when I can ask Alexa anything in the world. It's hard to trust the knowledge in my own brain. Um, but Alexa doesn't know anything about me. I know about me and that's okay. And that's good. Well, and it's taking the little steps like that, that gives you the confidence to make the other changes. Like once you see that you can actually make these decisions intuitively on your own, then, you know, it's just a matter, like you were saying earlier of practicing the create to get the creativity. You keep practicing with different oils till you find out what works for you. And then it gives you that confidence to, you know, maybe start drinking your water every morning and then, you know, like it branches off into other things. Mm-hmm. I've called essential oils the gateway drug to health <laughs> so many times because it's such a simple tool and it really does build your confidence to learn how to take care of yourself better and understand yourself better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. More and more every day. Well, awesome. This has been super, super helpful. So I'm going to just off the top of my head, I know people are probably listening and not sitting with a notebook and a pen and paper. So off the top of my head, because I haven't taken notes either. What I remember you saying about how we can avoid this burnout spiral it's a spiral like once you get in it you're just like right down Mm -hmm. um is take time to check in intentionally decide how we want to feel in our life and what we want our life to look like you didn't say this but I'm gonna say it put that on a calendar so it actually happens Mm -hmm, for sure Um, block off time that is not scheduled for a specific purpose drink your water journal your thoughts out so that you can see them outside of yourself and make decisions about it. Check in with yourself to know how you're feeling. Choose an oil or a a body movement or something that counteracts that feeling and the the direction that you're going so that you can replace it with what you want to feel. Have I missed anything? I think that was excellent. I think that was excellent. And find a good therapist to talk to, to guide you through that so that you're not in decision fatigue so much. They can help you make those decisions in a session a week or every other week. And then you've got like a roadmap to follow. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just someone to help hold you accountable as well. Yes. Okay. So thank you so much. This was super, this was a great wrap up. I feel like to everything that we've talked, I feel like we've been all over the map this month with some really deep out there different thoughts about habits and how to manage them and how to support yourself. But it really is so, so simple. Those deeper things are cool and fun once you've gotten the basics, but you've got to start with these just basic things. Um, And so people can find you. I know you, you practice in, in your office in Baxter, Tennessee, your website is wildlycurative.com. Do you still do um, remote type sessions with people? Absolutely. So you can contact me through my website and get that booked, but we do a sessions online for people that are out of the country um, or that just don't have the accessibility to come to my office here in Baxter. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Awesome. And they can follow you. You share lots of great tips on stuff just like this um, with whatever you know you feel like the world's needing to hear that day on your Instagram. Um, it is at wildly.curative. I always forget the dot. <laughs> yes. It's hard to remember for sure. At wildly.curative on Instagram for sure. 
Yeah, cool. So thank you. Thank you for sharing everything. And Thanks for having me. I hope you guys have a great day. Thanks. You too. Bye, everybody.